This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. The opportunity is really managing care across the continuum on the outpatient side to reduce some of the inpatient issues. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I am your host, Jamie Zage. We recently had a chance to talk with Stephanie Snyder, SG2's lead for behavioral health, Matt Fidel, a principal with SG2's Consulting, and Lisa McGuire, an associate principal with SG2's Consulting, about the behavioral health landscape and capacity planning. The conversation was so good that we wanted to bring them back to go deeper into some of the other topics that relate to that long-term and short-term planning for behavioral health. Stephanie, one of the things we talked about when we met last was this importance of planning across the system of care. Give us your perspective on why it's so important to think across the system of care for behavioral health when you're doing your planning. Understanding the full system of care is important, and it can help you understand where your gaps might exist with the idea that the inpatient and outpatient offerings really can impact each other. If we don't address that full system of care, either by providing services, partnering, or thinking about an outside entity to come in and help, we can end up with higher acuity patients because they don't have access to the early intervention care that they need. Evaluating the system of care, where the gaps might exist, and addressing those low to moderate acuity patients can help to alleviate the ED in the long run where the patients may end up if their earlier concerns are not being met. Thank you, Stephanie. So important that we talk about the interconnectivity of the ambulatory and the inpatient acute space and behavioral health. They really are connected to each other. Lisa and Matt, you've worked with a number of organizations helping them plan their behavioral health strategies. How do we see health systems typically tackling this? A lot of our provider-based clients are taking on more of that higher acuity role when it comes to working and partnering with both community providers as well as other community-type programming to fill more of the ambulatory gaps in care. They've kind of carved out a niche and saying, we can't do everything. We can't fulfill the entire system of care, but we can create, for example, a 10-bed unit to help move patients from our ED, get them stabilized, and then work with our community partners to get them in the appropriate treatment setting. A lot of our clients are really considering what is their role in either partial hospitalization or intensive outpatient. That's a higher acuity service, and that's kind of where they can play a more direct role in the acute care setting. That's really creating some avoidable inpatient admissions and creating capacity issues on the inpatient side that may be unnecessary if the appropriate screening was taking place at the forefront of that individual entering the healthcare system. We're seeing mental health and substance abuse rise to the top of many of the community health needs assessments as markets tip from fee-for-service to value, increasing the total cost of care if preventative measures on the outpatient side aren't done, creating high cost for those defined populations. The opportunity is really managing care across the continuum on the outpatient side to reduce some of the inpatient issues, also allowing the healthcare system or our providers to be the facilitator, not necessarily the owner, but to partner across the continuum with community and social resources, other areas, virtual health, digital, and leveraging innovation and technology to really take care of the patient at the most appropriate setting to allow for not only in patient access, but also outpatient entry points. 
there's just significant opportunity in this area. And it's twofold. One, because it's a better outcome, a better service for the individual. But you're right on the flip side of that is the economic situation of the hospital. What they're dealing with is a lot of heavy utilization on their highest acuity care settings, clogged EDs, interrupting the flow of patients that actually need to be there for a true medical condition versus those that are in crisis. And I think even more significantly, just the inability to transfer those in crisis. If that particular ED or hospital that the patient walks into doesn't have inpatient capacity or capabilities, oftentimes that individual sits there until an appropriate place is found for that patient. It's a real conundrum that health system leaders face to address the acute needs, but also plan for the long term. I think you two have really laid out the importance of creating a balance in the strategic plan. One of the parts of that plan that can really limit what providers can do is workforce challenges. But it's not just about how many providers, but also about how we use them. Matt, what are you hearing from our clients? There are definitely shortages across the board in terms of the workforce challenges, but it's leveraging the workforce that you do have and then coordinating those clinicians in the most effective manner. Yes, there are shortages that exist in psychiatry, addiction counselors, mental health counselors, psychologists, and number of other clinicians that touch this behavioral health service line. But if you think about the issues that are created from lack of coordination, if an individual comes into the ED, isn't screened appropriately with that 30 to 45 minute screening, all of a sudden they go into an inpatient bed, they take three days, see a number of clinicians for a number of other reasons, and all of a sudden you've created an issue where workforce is already a challenge and you've multiplied it by two or three times. We're seeing mental health increase, substance abuse, depression, at the same time the workforce challenges are reduced. We also need to include in that scenario the community resources, social workers, housing corporations and services, and understanding that those are areas that are highly stressed jobs. And quite frankly, people are leaving those jobs early or burning out faster than we can take. So all of a sudden, there needs to be more of a community-based team approach to that aspect that parallels a challenged workforce on the outpatient side. I think what you mentioned, it's operational efficiencies. For example, if you have patients routinely coming into your emergency department, but you don't have a protocol in place, that's a gap in operations. Everybody's going to say, oh no, what do we do? Where do we go? Who do we see? Where do we send them? But if you have a plan in place, an operational plan, if the patient comes in, they're suicidal, we do X, Y, and Z. We call these people. These people get involved. It runs much more smoothly and that has a direct impact on your workforce because you're not duplicating services, but also your workforce are not stressed out. They're not scared. They're prepared. They're trained and they know how to treat patients as they come in and they have a plan on what to do next. So looking at the workforce and the status quo, yes, there's a lot of shortages, but if you're evolving and adapting, it's a different way of looking at it for sure. So we get it. We're never going to have enough workforce. Stephanie, you've been a big champion of changing the care delivery model to really do things differently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? There's so many layers and we could talk for hours about this. 
the clinical model, especially nowadays with the availability of virtual health, one of the top things organizations can do to really cut down on costs is to move away from a psychiatry-heavy model. That doesn't mean don't use psychiatry. That means psychiatrists don't provide all of the care to all of the patients. There's so many opportunities for counselors, social workers, nurse practitioners, and so on and so forth to provide care in ways that are super beneficial to the patient. That would be the ideal state <laughs> to not have anybody, especially any pediatric patient needing inpatient care for behavioral health. It is a balance between there's going to be immediate needs and your immediate needs are going to be high acuity, high complexity type patients who are going to need those inpatient services because that's just where they are today. But thinking longer term, how do you continue to eat away at that inpatient utilization number? How do you continue to decrease that going forward so that you don't have a 24% increased demand in behavioral health? Maybe you can cut that in half with smart and inappropriate kind of ambulatory type services to provide different modes of therapy and really looking at some diverse clinical programming can really be beneficial. Also, leveraging a certain level of the case mix index on your unit can matter. Leveraging different types of insurance on your unit can matter. And that's not to say everybody needs to be commercial, but being diverse and thinking outside the box. If we keep doing the same things that we've been doing year after year, we're going to get the same results. And those results have not been favorable. Thanks, Stephanie and Lisa. We see some real innovation out there, but changing the model of care always comes back to how are we going to get paid for it? Matt, how should behavioral health leaders look at making the dollars work? Quite frankly, the opportunity cost of not doing something is outweighing the fee-for-service lack of economic benefit that's attributed to that. When they're prioritizing, this has started to come to the top of the list because it hits a multitude of variables that have the C-suite up at night. What level of at-risk for payments or alternative payment models are being made in that market? Are there a number of accountable care organizations or clinically integrated networks doing population health or have the managed care contracts pivoted to incentivize total cost of care management? So we'll look at that. So the market demographics, demand and growth, we'll utilize claims data. You articulated a number of the assumptions that we're using, but we're also using what's your current market share capture for the segmented population? that we're looking at within that service area? What's the out-migration of those patients? Do we expect if we build those beds that there'll be increased in-migration of services? And how do we scenario plan for a conservative model? Because the worst thing to do is overbuild in this current platform where we're seeing a lot of inpatient demand gets spread across the care continuum as opposed to be at that high-cost settings. Then we run scenarios around if we build a conservative estimate and then provide the outpatient strategy of partnering, buying, or building to provide that protection on that conservative estimate, will that satisfy the need and also allow us to prioritize some other areas that we're looking at? That's why when you're doing facility planning with behavioral health specifically, you really need to take a full continuum approach to managing that because of the impact of a number of other factors on the outpatient side. 
I think it's also important to mention the financial aspect too. A lot of organizations don't build or buy or even sometimes partner. They just blind eye the behavioral health service line because they're afraid about the finances. And that doesn't need to be the case. Well-run behavioral health services can either break even or have a small margin. If they're run really well, I have heard of organizations who have a substantial margin in behavioral health. That's where having somebody with some outside knowledge can come in and say, these are the opportunities. Here are the things that I've seen at other organizations across the country or during my time in the field. Having that outside knowledge can really be beneficial. And sometimes organizations may not want to spend X number of dollars on consulting projects. We're not here to sell a consulting project, but sometimes that money is well spent because they can help you understand where you're going wrong. This is especially important in behavioral health because, as we mentioned, organizations are sometimes scared to invest because of the financial aspect. So we have come full circle in our conversation and are back to addressing the most acute issues, the patients in our ED and needing inpatient care. How can we start to take a perspective on the long term or even the midterm as we really develop solid strategic plans? Assess your patient population. Get a good handle on what patients are you seeing? How long are they staying? What is the issue that you are trying to solve for? Is it that you have high recidivism? Is it that you have an abundance of very high acuity patients that you can't manage? Or you have patients with behavioral issues that you can't manage? Is it an age thing? Really understand who is the patient population. Start to segment that patient population population and really understand what are the key issues. From there, assess your capabilities and capacity as an institution. What is it that you have the workforce, the talent, the whatever to solve for. So where do you specialize? Do you already have a program that you can launch from? Really assess where you are and where your strengths are. And then plan for the future, knowing that this is where you are today. Hate to plug SG2 Impact of Change Forecast, but take a look at what our experts are saying, where we think the trends are going. 24% growth in the next 10-year time horizon is huge. So understand where that growth is for the patient population that you're seeing and how can you plan for the future? What are the things that you need to have in place, start to build those community partnerships. The value of long-term planning, such as out to 10 years, is well known in healthcare, but there's also value in planning for the shorter term, such as two to five years. Reviewing data can help you understand your outlook for behavioral health patients, and this can help to alleviate being in crisis mode, which many organizations are or have been recently, and that's really to do with the increased incidence. Thoughtful strategy will permit us to really step back and take the time to think about what might work best for all who are involved. So this includes the organization, the patients, and the workforce. And then make some decisions based on choice rather than immediate and reactionary needs. Thank you, Stephanie. I think you've really emphasized something that we find a lot of our clients actually aren't really following, right, is that there needs to be a strategic plan for behavioral health a short, a mid, and a long term. And so many organizations don't have that. Just getting there is going to be an an important piece. That's all we have time for today. I want to thank Stephanie, Lisa, and Matt for joining me again to share their thoughts, their insights on this incredibly important topic. Thank you for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, and ideas for episodes. And you can reach us at SG2Perspectives at SG2.com. 
Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts. Thank you.